0: better way to do this let me show you a better
1: way and we are live
2: welcome folks i've got a uh, outback with jack episode for you guys this week. It's going to have some fire in it and some advice and some good stuff as well uh, but we're going to focus mostly on current events so we're going to pick up the slack for two things that I was supposed to cover last week and somehow fell out of my brain in the middle of it and didn't do. So we put them as lead stories today. We're also going to do a little follow up from yesterday. Derek Bon Pietro wrote me back after the generator segment yesterday and said, I cannot endorse what you said. I told him I didn't have, he didn't have to. I just disagreed with him and it's okay if we disagree. I'll talk about that in my lead story today and, uh, I got my ass kicked with the argument I'm making right now by a competitor back in the uh, late 90s uh, when I used to sell computer hardware. I got my ass kicked hard. It cost me a deal for a couple hundred grand, and uh, I stopped pursuing those deals because I knew I was going to lose over and over and over again with that exact argument. Um, last week, though, I said there, you Ukraine was seeking a backdoor into NATO, and there were headlines everywhere for a day, and they vanished, and I was going to offer a bounty. I'm offering that bounty, the first person that can find me proof of what I'm saying and send me a screenshot proving it, I will send you $100 in my own personal Bitcoin. I will send it as straight-up Bitcoin to Bitcoin, or I will send it as lightning Bitcoin. You can have it either way. I will send it to you. It will be your choice in how you get it. And I'll send you a couple extra bucks so you get an actual $100 in Bitcoin or I'll send you $100 in, in, in cash with Strike, and you can buy your own Bitcoin with it or do whatever you want with it. If you can prove what I'm saying is true. And I know it's true. I just can't find it, and I'm tired of looking. Um, also, I was supposed to talk about the Russian ruble yesterday, or yesterday, uh, last week. Most aggressive sanctions in history. Uh, ruble crashed. It's back. It's back to where it was about this time last year. Uh, it didn't last long. We'll talk about that real quick and the implications of it. I'm going to give you the real story that should be talked about that no one's talking about when it comes to now Supreme Court Justice of the United States, Justice Jackson. Uh, we've heard a lot about her soft on pedophiles uh, stance, which really is soft on people with pictures that they shouldn't have. Uh, and I'm not for that. I, I do think she's too soft on it. But there's a much bigger problem here. Uh, the odds that she's going to influence a decision on child porn are low. But what if I told you there's a much bigger problem? It's going to influence almost every decision that she renders an opinion on. A big problem that's directly in conflict with, I don't know, something like, you know, the thing. It'll make sense when I get to it. Uh, but on that note, on you know, the thing, let's change the banner on the screen there for a bit. Um. Next, we're going to cover the fact that Lebanon Central Bank, according to its deputy prime minister, who probably knows a thing or two about it, is bankrupt. But don't worry, it's not really bankrupt. Social media says so. It's fine. And the the prime minister came out and said, hey, 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 this other guy, he doesn't know what he's talking about here. We'll talk about why central banks going bankrupt is coming more and more and why the safe haven is going to be Bitcoin. We're also going to talk about Jack Mahler's. I think we need to give Jack Maulers, he's the guy that invented Strike and founded Strike, if you don't know. The guy that's single-handedly putting Western Union out of business with international wire transfers, that guy. A young guy, he's like 29 years old, where he was when he 28 when he founded Strike or something like that. Just I need to, we need to rename him Maulers the Baller. Really. The dude is a baller. Uh he just did a talk at at Bitcoin, uh the Bitcoin conference in Miami, and he, I'm gonna show him walk into a regular everyday store, and paid with lightning, Bitcoin lightning over TOR. And I'm going to tell you what that means. And I'm going to tell you how that goes directly and plugs into a prediction I made just a couple days before it happened. And somebody's asking me right here, are you still invested in R? You bet your ass I am. And I'm going to say some things today they are going to sound anti-altcoin. They're not. They're just an acknowledgement of how badass Bitcoin is. And I've always said, That in time, no matter what alts do, Bitcoin can and likely will in time eat everything. Next up, I'm going to talk about the fact that we now have a, and I got to read this because it's so retarded. If I don't read it, I'm going to get it wrong. A derogatory geographic names task force. Let me say that again because your brain probably just convulsed a little bit. With trying to understand how stupid it is. I promise you, I'm reading it right from the screen so I don't get it wrong. This is official. We have a derogatory geographic names task force because now mountains and rivers are racist. I'm not kidding you. I know that your brain is hurting. I know that you feel like it's going to crawl out of your ears and into your mouth and try to get back inside. It's going to get worse when I explain it. We'll get there. And then I I had somebody pop up on my blog and said, but because you're you're an anarchist, you're a libertarian, you don't like the government. 20 years from now, if Social Security is still there and they can pay you $2,000 a month, will you take the money? My answer is fuck yes. And I'll talk about the fact I've heard various forms of this argument over the years and why it is one of the stupidest arguments. I won't say it with opinion. I won't explain it with emotion. I'm going to explain it with freaking money. My money that they took from me and your money that they take from you. And why it is the dumbest, most disingenuous argument. The person doing it is either just disingenuous, stupid, or both. And I'm not sure the person that brought it up on my blog was. So I'll give them an out. Maybe they were just asking a question to see how I'd it answered. I don't know. It wasn't done accusational. Oh, yes. See, somebody's saying racist rivers and mountains. Oh, make it stop. I can't make it stop. It's a real thing. 600 of them. Where do you see the story? Got it all for you today. Then I got a message from one grandparent to other grandparents or soon-to-be grandparents. I got an email asking for my help so that they could help explain to their adult children how to raise their grandchildren. My response was don't. Don't. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that. I think that's important. And I explained something about Dr. Ken Berry's, uh, opinion on medical billing coding in relation to how many prescriptions a patient was on poorly. Not directly wrong, but it was a poor explanation that led to an incorrect. I was wrong, but I, but it, because I explained it wrong, it's still the net same result. And instead of trying to explain it, I'm going to play a video for you today of Dr. Ken explaining it for himself. And since he's a doctor and he actually used to build people this way, you'll get to hear it from the doctor's mouth. And I think it will shock you if you've never heard this before. And I'll tell you why the individual that initially was correct taking me to task for explaining it poorly, even when it was presented to, I was like, hey, you know what? I've been meaning to go back and find that spot in that video and pull it out and put it up as a standalone. So thank you. He he said, this just proves me right. What Ken said just proves me right. Well, it proves me wrong, but it damn sure does not prove you right. You absolutely, as a doctor, make more money to put more people on more medication. We're going to talk about confusion, too, because somebody in the comments of that little video said, Hey, Jack, where the hell can you go to the doctor for a hundred dollar appointment? Because that's like the, one of the top billing tiers. And I said, well, see, that's another problem. I'll explain it when we get to that one. And a little bit on people's need to tell others what they should do or what they think or what they will or will not do. I'm going to talk about that because I've had quite a bit of it this week in YouTube comments and other places. It happens all the time. But it ain't really that important to me personally. I'm going to explain why it's important for you when you're trying to figure stuff out and you're telling me, well, the Internet says. The Internet says. The Internet doesn't say anything. The Internet does not say anything. That'll make sense when we get to that one as well. Before I do that, though, I want to uh, just kind of throw a shout out to our sponsor of today's episode, Permies.com and Paul Wheaton. I want you guys, if you've not yet taken a look at this, and there'll be links in the audio show notes for you guys today, and a link over to those in the video notes below, which, of course, you will not be able to use until the live stream ends because until the recorded version goes up on audio, That page doesn't exist yet. But he has a book called Building a Better World in Your Own Backyard. And what this is about, instead of getting mad at all the people screwing up the environment, what can you do in your own backyard to build a better world? I love this book. I have a copy of it. You can get a copy or multiple copies. You can give them away. This is a great book because it's very inexpensive. To share with all your eco-weenie, we're going to save the world by carbon taxing it people, and say if you actually want to do something, here's what you can do and hand them a book and walk away. I also want to throw a shout out. I don't have a screen share for you on this one, but Paul does have his, uh, his big permaculture jamboree in June. I think it's June. Uh, it's like a huge event. It's like a giant vacation. Tons of builds going on. They're going to be making a spring where there isn't a spring in a dry climate that can produce 400 gallons of water a day. They're going to show you how to do that. They're going to be building giant permaculture mounds rocket mass heater stuff, preserving food. It's going to be awesome. I wish it could be there. I've got another commitment in June. We'll talk about that more on Monday, what that commitment is, but it involves Nicole sauce. And, uh, I, many of y'all know what that is, but I won't be able to make both of them, but if I could, I would go. Cause it looks off the hook. Awesome. You also have an opportunity to take a PDC along with it or, take the PDC and not be there for that. You have lots of options there. Again, links in the audio notes. So let's dig into this. Um, I want to start off with the, the two things that I missed last week. So if you look on your screen right now, if you're watching the, the video, and if you're listening to the audio, you just have to trust me that it does this. You'll see right about uh, just before March starts, uh, we're looking at a graph of the Russian ruble here which is their dollar, right, the Russian dollar. Think of it that way if you're not familiar with what we call uh, currency systems around the world. You see it shooting straight up in the air. Now, that's how many dollars equals one ruble. So if you're holding Bitcoin, that graph is good. If you're looking at global currencies, it's counterintuitive. That graph is bad. That is a weakening currency, and right about where it peaks up there, this is where the ass clown in chief, Brandon, came out and said, hey, we crashed the Russian economy in just a couple weeks' time. We're driving them into the economic stone age with our partners and our sanctions. And blah, see what happened? You can see right where that red line is in the center. Um That is what I got to blow it up so I can see it myself. January 21st, 2022. You see where that line goes across the screen there? About 76.9 rubles to the dollar. It's right back where it was before all this shit started. It's accomplished absolutely nothing. All, and what have we accomplished for ourselves? We've created massive shortages in the United States. We've, we've worsened one of the worst economic situations we've ever put into ourselves into. We have exasperated supply chain issues. We have caused all these problems. And you know what this looks like? This looks almost exactly like what happened at the beginning of the whole COVID bullshit when Trump got a great big bailout put together and they pumped a bunch of money in to bail out the stock market and it blipped up for about 37 seconds and went right back into its oblivion and then naturally corrected over time. In other words, we spent a trillion dollars for no good reason. In this case, we've cost ourselves trillions of dollars in future economic activity for no good reason. This is the result. You can hate Putin. You can love Putin. You can be like me and think that both sides are probably lying bastards between Ukraine and Russia and that neither one of them need to be trusted. The United States stay out of it. You can think it's worth the cost. You can think it's not worth You can think anything you want, but this is reality. This is what actually happened. This is how ineffective the policy was. But hey... It is what it is. Next up, I won't forget this this week either. I need your help. About a week and a half ago, the middle of last week, as I was leading up to my Friday show, I I made a note in notes, but I didn't take any links down and I didn't take any screenshots. And that was a freaking mistake. Jack was wrong again. Two wrongs. I didn't talk about Derek Pietro. We'll get back to that here in a second. Um, NATO is what this whole thing's about with Ukraine. So Ukraine wants to join the EU, and they also want to join NATO. And if the, if Ukraine jo- jo- joins NATO, the problem Russia has with that is that any aggressive act by Ukraine on Russia that might negate a causal response would then mean Russia's at war with all of NATO. If any NATO country is attacked, all the other NATO nations, state by agreement that we will view it as attack on all of us. And we're also pushing the border that is NATO, the border of the West, right up against the Russian border. We made an agreement with Russia not to do this back when Germany reunified. And then we brought in a ton of former uh, Soviet states into NATO. And like this was the bridge too far. Um, and Putin has offered peace multiple times. And one of the concessions is, Ukraine has to agree not to join NATO, right? To make, basically they want it in the constitution, but I'm sure they would take something like a statement of eternal neutrality or some form of agreement says, we won't, we won't join NATO. We'll stay a neutral nation. Well, when this came out and it was weeks after it was actually offered, it finally came out and surfaced in the peace talks that are ongoing between Russia and Ukraine. Zelensky sought a back door and the back door was basically we wanna, we'll do it if the NATO nations will pledge to protect us even though we're not part of NATO. That's the backdoor issue. This is not the part that I have the issue finding or proving. It was something that all the media outlets did and then they disappeared the headlines and this bugs me when this happens. The headlines were like something to the akin of Zelensky offers peace in return for protection by nations with nuclear weapons. There were multiple headlines saying things like protection from nuclear power countries and things like that. So the the insinuation was Zelensky will, will do neutrality if nations with nuclear armament will agree to protect Ukraine if Russia attacks it again. And the term nuclear weapons and nuclear arsenal and nuclear nations, et cetera, was in these headlines over and over and over again. This was about Tuesday or Wednesday of last week that these headlines surfaced. And by Friday last week, and that's why they're wanting a slide, and it's how I let it slip out of my presentation last week, I could not find trying all kinds of, uh, of you know, exact match searches and stuff like that in Google News and Brave News, et cetera, I could not find a single headline. So this is the deal. The first person that can produce for me a link and a screenshot and send it to my email, com, with TSPC in the subject line to prove that this thing that I know I saw happened actually did happen. The first person to do it, you send me that and a Bitcoin address. I will send you $100 worth of Jack Spirico's personal Bitcoin. Or like I said, if you want cash to do your own stuff with, I'll send it to you with strike. You send me a strike username. Either or, $100 bounty on the first person that can prove this happened. <clears throat> I did not dream this. I did not conjure this up. I did not want this to be. I remember reading these headlines when they were coming across the news feeds and going, holy shit. Holy shit. You talk about inflammatory. Now, it's amazing to me. Not that they disappeared, but that they all disappeared. They all vanished. They all went away. There is no trace of them. And I need somebody to find one for me because I ran out of time to do it. And I would like to prove that this happened because, yeah, and and somebody's asking. That's what they're looking for. Ukraine wants protection from nuclear countries. And it was actually, some of the headlines were far more inflammatory than that. Ukraine wants protection from nations with nuclear weapons or that have nuclear arsenals. It was very elevating. And it was very irresponsible. But it's more irresponsible to erase it from history. We'll talk about that here in just a minute. Real quick, I do want to throw out a shout out to Derek Mon Pietro, And I told him flat out in my response, I respect your opinion, even if I disagree with it. So yesterday, uh, we had a question for somebody that wanted a generator. It was going to be a homestead generator while they're building off grid. And he recommended the Honda EU 2000, 2200i now is what it is. And I said I would be more likely to buy a 2000 watt dual fuel champion, uh, and either a 4500 watt gas only champion or a 6500 watt Briggs and Stratton have two generators. And still have money left over, then buy one Honda because it's better, but it's not that much better. And he wrote me and said, you know, uh, I can't endorse that. And I said, well, I didn't ask you to. We just disagree. And uh, but my last email to him was, you know, you can buy three of the Champions for only about a hundred bucks more than one of the Hondas. Three. And what I said to him is. I got my ass kicked with this exact argument back in the 90s. Here's what happened. I was in structured cabling back then. I was a sales engineer in structured cabling. And I ended up getting recruited to a company called Garrettcom. And Garrettcom was a company that built industrial-level computer hardware. We had videos, for instance, of a barge. And they put our equipment in the barge, and they did an explosives test which was basically they put the equipment in there running in their network and they set a charge off and they lifted the barge up like out of the water. Right. We had equipment running and we had all kinds of tests to prove this in boxes sitting in the heat for traffic systems. We had systems running that were at the bottom of the ocean, obviously sealed, but at the bottom of the ocean, very frigid temperatures, uh, relaying information from geophones from the ocean floor for oil and gas. We had systems with Siemens automation. We had all this stuff to prove our equipment was bulletproof. It was all but actual bulletproof. And so I started utilizing some of my contacts with structured cabling because I knew a lot of these guys and I was selling it to them, right? They were, they were, when they put new data, uh, uh, networks in, they were putting in three data cables and one voice cable to every drop. And I said, you know, there might be a couple where you might need some redundancy and you can do two data, but most of the time you could just do one and one, one data, one voice per drop. And that'll save you a ton of money. And what you can do is you can buy this little switch. Well, I don't know how reliable it is. So I showed them all this shit and it really was better than any little fast ethernet switch on the market. Four ports badass, cannot kill it. Heat can't kill it. Cold can't kill it. Pressure can't kill it. Freaking explosives can't kill it. We had some of these mounted in the bottom of Humvees running around in the desert, and that didn't kill them. Indestructible. There is no reason to spend twice the money when this will do the job for half the money. And my competitor from a shitty little company, um... And, and somebody's asked me, Isle Farm Boy says, I, I found this headline, Ukraine may seek nuclear weapons if left out of NATO. Will that work? No. I need Ukraine wants protection from nuclear arsenal nations, something like that. Anyway, so I did this, and then the Linksys guy it, it had, it had the same contact, and he said, well, hell, use my hubs, my switches. They're, they're a quarter of the price of this guy's. And the guy said, but his are indestructible. You can't kill them. You can blow. He said, it's overkill. You don't need it. And the guy said, well, what if one fails? He said, okay, buy 10% more than you need. Stick them in your comms closet. And if one breaks, replace it, and you're still ahead by a mile. And the guy said, you know what? Thank you for the idea. Cutting the data drops is a great idea. We're going to use the Linksys Hub. And I made my argument. Look at all the, the, the reliability that we offer you. And he said, Yeah, we're just gonna buy ten percent more, stick them in the data closet. It takes five seconds to swap one out. We don't even have to change the power adapter if the actual switch fails, and they don't fail that often anyway, so we're not worried about it anymore. And I got my ass handed to me. That one deal was about two hundred grand, I lost it. And I stopped seeking deals like that, and I went and sold my equipment where it was appropriate, which was places where it could not afford to fail. And you know where equipment can always afford to fail? When there's a backup sitting on the shelf. The reason the equipment I was selling couldn't afford to fail is because you don't necessarily have a backup. Or what does it take to install a backup 800 foot down in the ocean with the geophone at the bottom of a tube? So that's where I sold my equipment. The Honda is not that good. It's good. It's better. It's not that much better. It's not three times better. And if I can buy three for the price of one, that's where I'm coming from. That doesn't mean Derek's wrong. That just means. Don't ask me if the headline's good. Email it to me, guys. I can't keep being interrupted. I'm sorry. All right, so now I want to go back to my slides here. And I want to talk about this one. This is the story. All the right-wing conservative media telling you how bad uh, Justice Brown Jackson is because of her stance on uh, something that she'll probably never rule on or maybe will rule on one time, if lucky, in the next decade in some Mm -hmm. way. And the court's probably going to go the way it's going to go, whether she's there or not, with the current balance. So that's what we need to focus on. Why? So we can look like we're opposing something while we're not actually doing anything when we know the Senate's going to confirm this person anyway. This is actual paperwork filled out by Judge Jackson or her appointed, you know, fiduciary or whoever. This is from Steve Deese. He posted this on Gab, but this is actual document. Item 16. Do you hold a position on whether individuals possess natural rights? Yes or no. Response. I do not hold a position on whether individuals possess natural rights. If yes, what is your position? Response, see my response to question 16. We now have, we now have a Supreme Court justice of the United States, one of the most powerful positions in the republic, who says, I don't take a position on whether human beings have natural rights. This nation was founded When we, when we sent something called, you know, the thing, right? You know, the thing. It was the thing was the declaration of independence to the king of freaking England. And I believe it begins something like, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Folks, if you are endowed through your creation with inalienable rights, those are in fact natural rights. We now have a Supreme Court justice that publicly in print, where there can be no misunderstanding, refuses to take any position on whether or not human beings possess natural rights. And some of the Special children over on Gab replying to Steve said, well, everybody has a right against self-incrimination and to take the the Fifth Amendment in a public hearing, which is what's going on in front of the Senate, which you're technically correct, but you're also stupid. Or you just want your side. That's what it really is, right? You just want your side. Of course, you have a right to do it. That's why she was able to do it. But you're interviewing for a job here. Imagine that I was interviewing you for a job, and one of the foundational principles of my company is when a customer orders something, we send it to them. We don't keep it for ourselves and say we send it to the customer and steal from the company and the customer at the same time. And I said to you, well, Bill, since you want to work here at Jack, Inc., I mean, what is your – do you take – do you have a position on that claim? You said, well, I don't want to take a position on that claim. Do you think I'd hire you for the job? This is a job interview. That's what this is. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, had she taken the position of, I don't believe in natural rights or natural rights are limited or any other position, she still would have got confirmed. This wasn't going to hold up her confirmation. The people in the Senate that were going to vote for, including people like Romney and Collins and Murkowski, were going to do it anyway. No matter what, there could have been a picture of her using an orphan to club a baby seal to death and they still were going to vote for her. This was because this is the truth. I don't take a position on this. Humans, if you don't take a position on natural rights effectively, you're saying, you're saying, well, they don't exist. They either do, this is a person who couldn't take a position on what is a woman. That's bad. Not taking a position in natural rights. This, this should have been the story. This should have been what people talked about. No one talked about it because, well, it's a complicated discussion. It's actually a problem. Uh, Don says justice doesn't have a position until her puppet master tells her what it is at the time. I guess, I guess you got to think about those two questions. Right. And she's supposed to be a sharp legal mind who doesn't want you to see her LSAT scores because that's racist and stuff. Okay, All right. Sure. But those were both home run questions. One actually asked was, can you define a woman under current federal United States law is a woman. A woman is a female of the age of 18 or older under United States federal law. That's the answer to the question from a legal standpoint. That's it. That's the entire answer. That's 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 a home run answer. And it doesn't prevent you from deciding that, well, if this person identifies as a female. See, like there's no way that actually prevents them from doing whatever they want to do with their position in the future. But that's what a woman is under federal law. That is how it's defined. I'm sorry. It's a simple answer. And a position on natural rights. My position on natural rights is that people are born with inherent rights that we have a duty to protect. That's it. That's the entire answer but she didn't want the follow up questions that's why she did that anyway next up the lebanon central bank is bankrupt okay this is like the Le- lebanon's uh, uh, federal reserve is is bankrupt so says the deputy prime minister this came out on tuesday this week but don't worry about it it's all okay it all goes away here in just a second you can see social media just told you nah it's not really bankrupt This is going to happen more and more. And here's the reality. Technically, central banks that have the ability to print their own money can never go bankrupt because if I have to fulfill an obligation of debt, I just print more money and pay the debt. And if A certain country says we don't want the money. Well, you borrowed the money in our currency, so you have to take it back in our currency. What can happen, though, eventually is that runs out. All these central banks run by generating new money through the issuance of debt on the old money. So what happens is when Lebanon wants to borrow money again to print more money instead of just printing it with their own money and being their own lender of last resort, which is what our Fed does. And they need money because eventually if you keep doing this, all global confidence in your currency dies. And then no one will come in and buy your, your, your bonds anymore and you can't print any more money. And then you are bankrupt. Well, what happens then is let's say UK or France or Germany is going to buy some debt from Lebanon, buy some Lebanese bonds. Well, well, if Lebanon says, well, we're paying 7%, they're like, no, 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 no. This is risky. We, we, we won't buy it at that. So they have to keep raising their interest rate on their bonds till, till somebody will take a risk on them or they have to buy their own debt with fake money, which further exasperates the first problem. Well, that's what's happening in Lebanon right now. But here's the reality guys. They're all bankrupt. The whole system is a bankruptcy system. It's a Ponzi scheme and we're reaching an end game with it. And it's why what I've predicted since 08, I think we're, we're looking at the horizon of it. Now the horizon could be, and it's five years out or 10 years out. I don't know, but I think we're at a point now where we're going to have to co- have a complete and total currency rebasement. And it's going to be the way that they swing in central bank digital currencies and some sort of currency based revaluation, some sort of shell game to try to kick the can yet again down the road. And it may or may not work, but this is exactly why if you don't have some of your money in Bitcoin right now, you just hate money. I didn't say all your money. I didn't say go all in or what have you, but it is the only fundamentally 100% absolutely unchangeable hard asset. You notice this last week when I they were talking, we're going to change it to proof of stake with a shame campaign. You ain't heard a word about it again. All that was is because Bitcoin Miami was coming up and the other side wanted to get a few licks in because they don't let the altcoins into Bitcoin Miami. That's why last year they had Bitcoin Miami and they had across the, the road. They had their own conference called Shitcoiner, Shitcoin 2021. I guess they didn't do it this year. There are so many people gunning for Bitcoin from the government side and from the altcoin side. They keep talking about the flipping with Ethereum. Well, if it only goes up three times what it is. Yeah. And Bitcoin doesn't go up at all. It's all bullshit. It's all bullshit, and that's what I want to bring you in next. Um, like I said, I, I've, I've talked about this before, and I see a place for alt. Somebody asked me earlier, do you still have a position in R? I do. I have a lot of money in R, a lot of it, because I bought it when it was $0.08. Cents. I think there's a lot of money to be made trading alts, picking the right alts when they're low, selling them when they're high, or holding them if you pick them low enough that they're never going back there, and using them. I'm about to show you 100% that Bitcoin is going to be able to be used in a completely private manner, at least in daily transaction amounts. In fact, it's already doable, but it's going to spread to where it's doable everywhere. And there is no stopping it now. And I recently made this tweet. This was made, what, April 6th. Today's the 8th. I made this tweet two days ago. And, I, and this was about Lightning Labs unveils the tar, Tarot stablecoin protocol. And basically, it's allowing Bitcoin to be used to move the Bitcoin network to move stablecoins, so dollar equivalency coinage. And when you do that with Lightning, I don't think people really understand what that means. And I'm going to let Jack Mahler show you here in a video. But I did this on the 6th. The video that I'm about to show you came out on the 7th and was released on Twitter today. Let's take a look at that video right now. And this is from the presentation.
0: You want to use a lightning note over Tor? You do that. You want to use the Cash App? You do that. If Chipotle wants Bitcoin, I'll give him Bitcoin. I'll settle in in Bitcoin. Chipotle wants to just replicate the boomer payment networks from 1949 just better and get instant dollars. I'll give him dollars. It doesn't matter It's a new innovative superior payments rail that is finally embedded and distributed into our lives And so I used it for the first time recently watch this Yo We're in sunny Chicago. We're gonna walk into a grocery store Buy some Coke over tour. A card network is not gonna process this transaction. Bitcoin's open monetary network is gonna process this transaction. Let's go. Hello. Hey, can I check out each of these separately? Sure. I'll do the coke first. Let's buy some Coke over tour, ladies and gentlemen. Boom. Open payment standard. This grocery store is showing an open payment standard to receive dollars in their cash register. I could use any Lightning wallet I want. I'm going to go with Zap, which is connected to my Lightning node running over Tor at my house. So I simply hit send, scan the QR code, confirm by entering my PIN, and Bitcoin is leaving my node over Tor as dollars enter her cash register. Boom. I'll go with the peanuts next.
2: What do you think, guys? I think this is one of those things that a lot of people... Watching it don't really understand. If you, uh, if you understand what's going on there, you really get it. First of all, one thing you have to understand about the lightning network is it's highly anonymous to begin with because it uses something called onion routing, which is what Tor does. So you're using Tor plus, so you're using two onions when you do it over Tor. So you're masking yourself behind Tor with your node, but then inside the lightning network, it's using onion routing. And people hear onion routing and Tor, and they really don't understand what it means, but you can just think about it like an onion. So I'm sending a transaction to you through the lightning network. And I have a node and you have a node, or you have a node serving your end in that instance. The the person that he just paid for the Coke with, they, they don't have a node. There's a node that serves as the final delivery node to them and says, now we've converted this to dollars. Here's your buck for a Coke. But what happens in between is this onion routing. What it means, think of onion in layers. Remember uh, Shrek, the ogre? Onions have layers like ogres, right? So I send you this transaction across the Lightning Network, and it's wrapped in this onion with multiple layers. So you, you, you know where it came from, but you don't know where it was before I sent it to you. And when you get it, and you send it to the next party, you know where it's going, but you don't know what they do with it. Now, the onion part is cool, and where it comes in is there's multiple layers on the onion, so you would be able to look at the onion, and if it was really small, when it got to you, you would say, well, this is very late in the transaction stage. It's been to a lot of other places. Or if it was really big, you would say, well, it's brand new. This must be the originating transaction, and you could start to do some Decryption and work out what's going on, especially if you're an alphabet agency. But that's not how onion routing works. There's fake layers reinstalled at each handoff. So the onion stays the same size all the way through. So nobody knows nothing. So the originating transaction is hidden by Tor with onion routing. And then the transaction itself goes through onion routing. And then the person gets a dollar or five dollars or 20 bucks across lightning. And this all happens for pennies on the transaction. And and they don't know who you are when you walked in and paid. They just got their five bucks. That's all they care about. They sold you a muffin and a coffee. This is game over. This is this is game changer, K Bonk says. It absolutely is. This is this is game over for them. And it's almost impossible to stop this because the merchant has the right to take settlement in the native currency, US dollars. Sorry. Sorry. And it's a, it's amazing to me how fast this is, uh, this has come to be. Let's, uh, jump back in here. I want to show you this next thing. This is where you're going to hold your head. It's going to hurt. You're going to want to just take your forehead off your head, put it in the refrigerator and cool it down when you hear this. It's on Gateway Pundit. Headline is Marxist Reset Federal Derogatory Geographic Names Task Force. Yes, really. Announces the U.S. rule renamed 660 mountain rivers and landmarks to remove racist language more are surely to come. And, and the people doing this are serious. I so said, this is long overdue. Long overdue. We needed to do this a long time ago. We've had racist mountains and rivers forever. The number one word that they want to purge here is squaw. Apparently the word squaw, which means female, indigenous, North American person. It's what the dictionary says it means. It's now racist. You know, I go to a restaurant sometimes. It's called Abuelos. Yep, Abuelos. Mexican restaurant, Abuelos. Abuelo means grandfather. So I go to the grandfather's restaurant. That's what people want to call it. There's another one. Uh, it's called Micasita, another Mexican restaurant. I mean, small house. Are those now racist too? Don't think they won't be this. See, I saw this coming a long, long, long time ago, way back in the early nineties. There's a town. It's either Michigan or Wisconsin or someplace like that. And the town is called Fishkill, the fishkill. And the pedotypes wanted to change the name of fish kill because fish kill is evil. It means killing fish. Well, these morons didn't know what a fish kill was. A fish kill is when the salmon or trout are swimming up the stream to spawn. And we put dams in so they can't get back up to their spawning grounds. So a fish kill is where you put a bypass where they can go around the dam. It's basically an artificial river. With gates so you can let the fish through so they can spawn like they normally would so we don't make them extinct. You, you would think PETA types would be for that. Well, why do they call them fish kills? Because, yeah, here's another one of these people who created Tor, the Navy. It doesn't matter who created Tor. It works. We got to stop, but somebody did it. Yeah, whatever. You worry about that if you want to. Anyway, so the fish kills were called fish kills because while they were spawning, their fish were heading up there. They're all funneled. You go there and catch a bunch of them. So you were killing them, right? That's why. So people just, I mean, and not that long ago, it was about six, seven years ago. There's a town down from me. It's 25 minute drive. It's called White Settlement. Now that's really racist. Now. Do you know why it was called White Settlement? Because only white people were allowed to go there, you racist Texan. Mm. No. You guys hear me talk about rock on my property all the time, right? Another town very similar on the other side of the metroplex called White Rock. And they have a lake called White Rock Lake. I guess they're also racist. Well, limestone happens to be white, So White Settlement is a place where there's a lot of these limestone bluffs sticking out of the side of hills and stuff. So it's white. So they they looked at the white rock, and they had a settlement there way, 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 way back during pioneer times. And they call it White Settlement because they have white rocks. But we got to change that, too. We're now at the point where we have mountains and rivers and landmarks that have been with us for hundreds of years. And we need to change them because they use words like squaw in them. Or any other word, I guess, that refers to Native Americans that we don't think we should use as white people anymore. This is kind of like the Washington football team anymore. Can't call them the Redskins. And I guess we're going to have to change the name of the Braves if that hasn't been already done. And who knows what else? We have. So maybe Chicago needs to change the White Sox because if you call them white, that's racist, too. What's the bigger problem here? The bigger problem is they're teaching this shit to your kids. And it's working. I see it all the time, guys. I see it all the time. I see it in our young people. I see how diluted their brains have become. The other thing they're doing is they're erasing history, the good and the bad. What I wanted to talk to you about today is why do you erase history? Just because it offends you? That's not why people erase history. There's only one reason you erase history, and it's so that it can be It can be rewritten to make you look good, to make you look like the right side, to make you look like the victor in war. Have you ever noticed that nobody ever won a war and then said, but we were wrong? We were if anybody's ever seen it, we were the baddies? Are we the bad? If you don't know what are we the baddies is, when you're done listening to this. Get on YouTube and search for Are We the Baddies and check it out. The B-A-D-D-I-E-S. Are We the Baddies? If you know what I'm talking about, put yes in the, in the, in the chat right now. If you know who the baddies are. If you don't put no, okay. Just to kind of poll the audience here, we got a couple hundred people around sitting here. Um, are we the baddies, right? Like the people that win are always the heroes. They're always the victors. They were always hundred percent right. They always did absolutely nothing wrong at all right? They always did it right. They were always the heroes. They were always the oppressed. They always bore no responsibility whatsoever for the conflict at all. It was all those other mean bad people. And when you have people preemptively rewriting history, they know what they plan to do or they wouldn't do it. And so right now we have a giant eraser trying to erase the past. And we have a problem for the people doing it. You and me and everybody else, you know, about my age and older, that went through our education as bad as it was, as much of an indoctrination as it was, all the way through the 90s, there was enough of what really happened there that we all know it. These people are patient and they're plotting And all they need they don't need to wait till we all die. They only need to wait till enough of us die. Enough of us are stupid and don't know any better, even though we should. And enough of us become feeble minded and old that the new generations outnumber us because the future is the youth. And it's not a Whitney Houston song. It's a political plan. And it's what they're doing to your kids. And I'm telling you one more damn time today, this is another example of why, if you don't get your kids out of the government school system, you don't understand or you refuse to accept how bad the problem really is. All right. Next up, um, I want to tell you guys, I did explain something that Dr. Ken explained at our workshop in the fall, and I did it poorly. I made a mistake, and I said that you could bill the most as a doctor when you had the patient on at least five prescriptions, and I was wrong. You still get paid more money the more prescriptions you write, and after you hear this, it'll be hard to say otherwise. The number five got stuck in my head, and you need to understand, when I'm running a workshop, those of you who have been here when I'm doing it, you know I'm like a one-legged man getting my ass kicked in an ass-kicking contest. I'm here, I'm there, I'm everywhere, I'm all over the place, and I'm trying to hear the presenters At the same time that I'm stomping out fires and making sure the cook's got everything right and making sure this person over here is happy and finding equipment for this person over here and coordinating like it's, it's hard. So occasionally I may twist some things together. There's five coding levels of billing and the higher on the coding chart you are, the more you get to bill insurance, Medicare, and Medicaid. But I promise you, if you want to move up the code You write more prescriptions or you change prescriptions. So I I explain this poorly, but what it really explains to you is why your doctor can never tell you the truth, why your doctor will never actually talk to you about nutrition, why your doctor, in essence, cannot afford, I'm saying, cannot afford to ethically practice medicine properly. They'll go bankrupt. Dr.
1: Ken will explain it to you right here. In adults, should be non-existent. Now, I drew this out yesterday, but I didn't really talk about it. You know what that is? Yeah, but let's call it a distribution curve because some people are triggered by the bell curve. Let's call it that. Normal distribution curve. There are some of us who are stick, bone, skinny, thin, just naturally. And there are some of us who are a little fluffier, just naturally even eating a proper human diet there is a distribution of every single human trait in physiology lab value and everything else there's a distribution curve for every single thing you can talk about in relation to human beings even financially there's there's bell curve for everything right and once you understand that you understand that the, that nick this is nick he's no, he's normal okay and then people on the other end of the spectrum not morbid obesity, but a little fluffy, that's normal too. And that's also can be healthy. Okay. But past a certain point of fat, body fat percentage, it's unhealthy. It's unarguable. It's not fat shaming. It's just the truth. Okay. What about teenage acne? What about eczema? Even in babies, what about metabolic syndrome? What about all the other conditions? If you're telling me, Dr. Barry, that they are self inflicted on the human population. And 100% related to the diet that you eat on a daily basis. Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. That's That sounds a little bit inflammatory and revolutionary, but I, I think that's correct. So the question becomes, what is wrong with my doctor? Why did my doctor tell me to drink two gallons of water a day? Why did my doctor tell me to avoid red meat and saturated fat? Because I have fatty liver. When the truth of the matter is, that's how you reverse fatty liver. It's by eating a diet heavy in red meat and saturated fat and avoiding carbs. That's how you reverse it. Why would, why would a doctor say such a thing? What's wrong with doctors? So you guys have heard of the, uh, the tool analogy. If the only tool you have is a hammer and everything looks like a nail, right? That, yeah, guess what? That applies to all human beings on the planet. That's not just you. That's not just carpenters. That's literally every human on the planet the tools that you have at your disposal frame the way you think about every problem that that is human nature we cannot avoid that and so all if all you have is a prescription pad and if all you get paid higher level office visits for then guess what that's what you're going to do you can't charge a higher level office visit so the, the let me tell you this this is some good inside information If you've seen your doctor before, this is how the entire schedule for an office visit set up. A 99212 is a very limited problem, okay? You got poison oak. I didn't even write you a prescription. It's so minor, I just said, put some hydrocortisone. That's a two level visit for a doctor. That's worth about 40 bucks, okay? If I did any kind of prescription medication, Either stopping or starting medication—that's three level. That's worth about sixty. Okay, if I I manage your blood pressure and your diabetes and some other minor problem and order some lab work, that's four level. That's worth about eighty bucks. Okay, if you had any kind of—if you have heart disease, then you might you're at risk for a heart attack, right? And I manage two or three medications and order some tests. But you've got a potentially life threatening thing. That's a level five visit. That's worth about a hundred bucks. Whatever. Now the doctor can spend, the, you know, the seven minutes you spend with your doctor, right? They can spend that seven minutes and they can charge a three or they can spend that seven minutes and charge a five. But to get up here, you got to have prescribed a medication or changed a medication, right? Now <clears throat> guess what you get to charge for talking about diet. Now, you're a doctor, and you're you got a you got all your bills. Kids want to go to that good college. You got the Mercedes payment. You got three employees. You got all the bills at the office. You got seven minutes to spend with Jake. Well, you What are you gonna charge Jake? It's human nature. You understand? Doctors are not evil. But it can become evil when you, when you, when you abuse that and and you don't even give a shit what you're telling people. You're just trying to get them in and out as quick as you can, write a script, boom, there's a three, four, five level visit so I can make the Mercedes payment. That's how a lot of doctors are stuck because being a doctor, just taking care of chronic medical conditions that keep getting worse, that's not fun. That sucks. That's depressing. So if I'm I'm stuck in a career that's depressing as hell, I might as well get paid a hundred bucks for every seven minutes than, than 40 bucks every seven minutes, right? At least that'll make me sort of happy. I can have that Mercedes. That's, that's one of the many things that are wrong. Well, guys, I, like I said,
2: I did not explain it well, but if, if you don't think that's going to make a person who writes more prescriptions, more money as a doctor, you didn't understand what was said. you can see where i I got the confusion there um, in the way that I explained it and if you write more prescriptions, you get more money. It's true. But when I said five is how you max it out I, I I got that wrong it's it's when you get to level five on the coding, which one of the ways you get there is write more prescriptions. When you diagnose somebody with a serious illness ongoing serious illness as a doctor today, protocol will dictate, it will absolutely dictate that you must make a prescription for it. That's how we actually treat it. Now, the person that pointed out correctly that I exp- explained it badly still defended it and said, well, you know, it's kind of one of the best systems we have. It's, it's not perfect, but, you know, it's still good. No, it's not good. It's awful. If you listen to that, understand that, and think that's acceptable, and and the last thing I said to this person was, let me guess, you work in the industry. And and after getting several responses, I got no response because we know it's very hard to convince somebody of a thing when the thing is, nece- you know, the the counter thing is necessary for their 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 professional career to continue, right? If your job depends on it, it's very hard to convince you against it. Uh, my wife is far more vaccine hesitant, if you want to call it that, with vaccines in general, not the COVID thing, which we're both just totally opposed to, than I am. But I was a crazy conspiracy nut for the first half of our marriage while she was a nurse. And within a year after her stopping being a nurse and retiring from nursing, she started telling me all the things wrong with vaccines like I didn't know because she was no longer married to the concept and... She no longer had the internal conflict with, I'm giving these kids shots every day. Your doctor can't be honest with you because he can't afford to be, unless you get yourself a direct primary care physician. And the magic of direct primary care is they don't take insurance. And as soon as you stop taking insurance and you start billing for your service alone, then you can provide proper service. As long as the bill you send is contingent upon the things that you do, the drugs that you prescribe, the way that you handle yourself and the following of protocol. As long as that's the case, you're going to have problems in doing things ethically, and you're going to run into places where you just can't. This is the exact same reason as protocol nonsense is why we've had people going to ERs with Covids, right, trying to get fluids because they were dehydrated and being denied fluids at emergency rooms because it's, by protocol, not a treatment for COVID. Of course it's not a treatment for COVID. No one said it was a treatment for COVID. No one made that claim at all. It's Nobody ever made that claim. What they said is it's a treatment for dehydration. Um, Give me just a second, folks. I need to do something here. Um, that's what it's a treatment for, but the protocol didn't include it. So they couldn't do it. And this happens to your personal physician. Uh, I'll tell you another story of how this works too. Like people just as doctors, they become jaded. They live in this system and they write people off. Uh, my son, my grandson takes art classes and the art teacher has his mom. She's down to like 60 something pounds right now. And, uh, they can't figure out what's wrong with her. And the doctor just kept saying, well, her age, her age, her age. And she's like low 70. She's not like 99 years old. And this guy said to the doctor, well, how old are you? Cause the doctor's, you know, got some gray hairs and whatnot and probably not that far away from the age of his mother. He said, well, it doesn't matter. And he said, well, that's how I feel about my mom. It doesn't matter. You need to treat her. And the doctor stormed out of the room. This, it's not, I'm not picking, just like I'm not picking on teachers in general, not always anyway, when I pick on the education system, I'm not picking on doctors. I'm not picking on the guy that is a kid in high school, right? Decided I'm going to take this incredibly hard path, incredibly hard path, and I'm going to spend the next 10 years of my life in school and then somewhere between three and eight years of being on training wheels and under the supervision of somebody else and not making a lot of money during that internship, residency, fellowship years. And then I can make a lot of money maybe. And they went through all that hell and learned all that knowledge to try to help people. You know, one of our expert council members, not Doc Doc Berry, but Doc Bones. Doc Bones was this close to going to law school. This close. And if you can't see me, i got my fingers almost touching each other if you're listening to the audio. And he saw a billboard about medical school. And he had the scores to go to either one. And he thought about being a parasite or helping people. And he became a doctor. He became a doctor. And a surgeon. To help people. But he also ended up leaving the whole system. Partly, probably because of things like this one, it wasn't as bad. And if you do not, and somebody's saying it right here, rat that was the quote I was trying to think of earlier. It is difficult to get a man to understand something when his salary depends upon his not understanding it. Up in Sinclair 1934. So just think about this when your doctor gives you medical advice and says, you know, you really don't. You should not be eating red meat and take this cholesterol-lowering medication and this statin. He just made... He just went from a code to bill, hey, what you should do is eat a healthy diet, where he gets to bill like 30 bucks, to a, like a level three or four, where he gets to bill somewhere around $80 for the same seven minutes when he walked in backwards and jumped back out of the room. It ain't his fault. It's the system that he's in. And that's where these people end up. And until you get outside of that system, you're going to get the same poor advice. Now, it's not a guarantee that if you get outside the system, you'll get a doctor that gives good nutritional and medical advice. But at least you have a chance. Next up, um, again, somebody asked me on my blog, but Jack, 20 years from now, if you can get Social Security, are you going to take it, Mr. Anarchist? Fuck Yeah. Here's mathematically why I did the math. I've been paying into the social security administration system since I was 16. I've been self-employed one way or another for 20 years. So I've seen the matching that you guys don't see if your employees only going. And I know that even when I was an employee and my employer was paying the match, that's my money too, because I've employed people. And I know when I hire, like, you know, I see Michael here in the uh, asking a question or making a comment right here, right? Michael says whatever he's saying right there in the comments. Put him up there. But Michael Floyd goes to work for me. When I hire him and I calculate what I'm going to pay him and I say I can pay you $25 an hour, I'm making that decision based on his total cost, not just the money he gets. I know what all the overhead and hiring Michael is going to be, and you bet I know exactly what it's going to be in my matching SSI that I have to pay for him. When I do the math, at this point in my life, I have paid over $320,000 into Social Security. That's not Medicare, right? That's just Social Security, $320,000. When I project out to 65, I will have paid in close to $600,000, Okay? is what I will have paid into Social Security when I am at the minimum eligible age of retirement if they don't raise it, which they probably will before it happens. If they raise it high enough, I might pay in about $700,000. And my response was, let's say that I broke into your house and you happen to have a safe full of gold. And you had half a million dollars worth of gold in there. And I stole it and I hauled ass with it. Went off to Monaco and gambled that shit away. Because that's, let's be honest, that's what the government does with your tax money. They piss it away into the wind. But eventually, Interpol catches me, sends me back to the United States. And they throw Jack Spirico in the clink for stealing your money. And then I come up on parole and I say, I promise to be a good boy. Let me out. And they say, okay, parole board stamps lets me out. And then the state says, you know what? You know what, Jack, you're going to pay Scott, right? We'll use Scott. We'll pick on Scott here because he's commenting, right? So I'm going to pay Scott back the half million dollars of gold that I stole out of his house. But I don't have any money. You just threw me in the clink. I pissed it all away. I ain't got it. And they they, they look at me, and I, I get a job, and they say, well, what you can do, You, you, you I'm an old man now too, right? I ain't going to last a long. You can pay Scott $1,500 a month. We know you can afford that, like it's child support. And you'll pay that until you'll die, and Scott will never get his half million dollars of gold back, but he'll get something. Is Scott going to take the money? Absolutely. I'll never get $600,000 out of Social Security payments, ever. It's what I paid in. So you're damn right I'll take it. And then this idea of government money. The government doesn't have money. It's taxpayer money. It's my money. They stole it. I won't even have one millisecond of ethical conundrum of taking any money I can get from the government until such time as I am made whole. Because I haven't just paid them $320,000 in SSI. I've paid them well over that in income tax that they took from me, and I pay all the other taxes, property taxes, etc. Now, I'm a good tax ninja. I know how to reduce my tax footprint, but I'm still, the government, as far as I'm concerned right now, has taken well more than a million dollars from me in my lifetime, well over. Will I take it back? Would you take it back from a criminal? Would you seek restitution from somebody who stole money for you? And if you got a judgment, if you got a judgment against them and it wasn't, it didn't ever make you whole, but it was some part of what they took from you, given back to you, would you take it? This is, again, anybody that makes this argument is either completely freaking stupid, not ignorant. You can't be ignorant of this unless your IQ is so low that you can't comprehend it. So if you're willfully ignorant, I call that stupid. And if you're actually incapable of learning ignorant, I call that stupid as well. You have to be stupid or you have to be full of shit and you have to know it. You have to be a disingenuous asshole to ask that question. Right now, I'm not saying the person asked it. I get a feeling the person that asked it may have wanted to get this response from me. It might have been a helper question, right? Like a David Siegler question. He's a helper. Uh, I asked this just to give you a, a leaping off point. I don't know. I never heard back when I gave the answer, so I don't know. If you're out there, you can put your hand up and tell me what you meant. But I've had the question seriously asked. But well, you 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 bitch about government, but you drive on the roads. You damn right I do. The government stole my money and built the road and told me that's what I get. It's a shitty road, but it's what I've got. Right? Oh, no, he goes he goes into national parks. You stole my money for the national park? Of course I do. It's my shit. You took my money against my will. And the person saying it's generally the person that pays almost nothing in taxes. The people that say this and the people that think this way end up, if you do the math, they pay about 4% of their income in taxes, 4%. The top 1% of people pay 40% of all the taxes and have an effective tax rate somewhere in the neighborhood of 30% on actual income. Just going to say, it's always been that way. It always will be that way. And the real rich people, the cabillionaires, they're never going to pay their fair share of taxes because they write the damn tax code because your congressman doesn't. And if you don't understand that, I can't help you. Next, I had a guy email say, help. I've been telling my adult children all the things that you say about homeschooling and wokeism and everything. And my kids were even homeschooled and they won't listen. What can I do? To make them understand what they need to be doing with their kids. My response was shut up. Shut up. You raised your kids. As a grandfather's the way I look at it. I have some disagreements with what should and shouldn't be done with my grandchildren, with my son and my daughter in law. And I get to voice my opinion once. Then they get to take that opinion. And discard it, consider it, do whatever they want. But when it comes to pulling the lever and deciding whether or not their, their children get homeschooled at our place, which they do, that was their call. That was their call. I give my opinion. If it's asked for, I give it a second time. If it's not, I shut my mouth. And I think this is a place where grandparents need to really check their shit. You raise your kids. And I think some people are just trying to help. And I think that's where this guy's coming from. I also think a lot of people are looking for a do-over. Well, I wouldn't have done that had I known what I know now. And I don't want my kid to make that mistake. And I'll step in and do it now. You don't get to do that unless they ask you to. And the harder you push, the harder they will push back. When I used to do sales training, I would get, and this worked nine times out of ten, it worked without telling the other person what to do. I'd say, I need a volunteer in the audience and somebody put their hand up and I'd walk over and say, will you stand up? And they'd say, yes. So can you put your hand up like this? And they would say, yes. And I would take my hand and I would push their hand and they would resist my pushing. I didn't say to resist. I didn't say to accept. I just said, put your hand up and I pushed their hand. One out of 10 would just let me push their hand, either because they'd been through it before or because they were a thinking person. Most people, as soon as you push their hand, they push back. This is human nature, and I would use that in sales to explain that when you are talking to a prospect in sales and you're getting resistance, you need to dig for questions, not push your agenda. If you can get the prospect asking you questions, you might solve the objection. But if you push against the objection, you're going to get resistance. When you're talking to your spouse and trying to convince them it's time to get the hell on a budget instead of just pissing money away, you need to remember this. When you're talking to your adult children, you remember, need to remember they're your kids by blood, but now they're your adult, contemporary parent friends. They don't, you don't own them anymore. You don't tell them what to do anymore. You don't have any more authority. When that kid leaves the basement, walks out the door, gets a job and pays their own bills, it is time for your role in their life, even before you have grandkids, to freaking change. And if you want a healthy adult relationship with your children, you will do that because anything else will result in animosity and anger. And it's why so many people have a derogatory view of their parents. Their parents are trying to help, but they overstep their boundaries constantly, and it leads to a constant state of tension. So if you are a grandparent, you are older and wiser, and that's why you think your advice should be taken. Well, you are older and wiser, and that's why you need to understand what your role is and what your role isn't. And you need to be the one that backs off because you are older and riser. So act like it. That's my little helper uh, moment for you guys today. And then one more thing I want to talk about today, really, really brief. And Paul Wheaton and I talked about this last week. The need some people have to tell you what you should do or what you think. And here's two examples that happened this week. One, I made a comment about growing wine cap mushrooms and how I'm taking one more shot at doing it. If David's still on, you might find this interesting. I'm taking grow bags full of wood chips laced with uh, wine cap mushroom spawn, and they're actually sitting a couple inches deep in one of my pond systems. And that way there's absolutely no way positively that that can dry out and they're in a shaded area. Well, what you really need to do. You need to go into your forest and find a big tree with a lot of shade. Put like a bunch of mulch down. I'm talking like a foot deep. And then you put your mushrooms in there and that'll work better. Yeah, we did that. But you need to put a lot of mulch down. Do you even know who you're talking to? This person probably doesn't. He's probably somebody that found the freaking, you know, video and doesn't really know who you're talking to. You don't know who you're talking to. I've been doing this on this property for nine years now. If Dave is still here, he knows we've done, we have put them in wicking beds that don't dry out under shade cloth and, and gotten very little response. Somebody gave me a, a really good suggestion. Instead of saying, this is what you should do. They said, here's all the stuff I'm doing right now to grow mushrooms. And I think it's going to work. And one of the things they said to me, and it was just one little word in there. I was like, oh, that's interesting. He's using hard wood smoking pellets. Ooh, when you when they get wet, they turn into sawdust. Hmm. Buckets, sawdust inside. Hmm. We could keep that humid. We don't need a lot of sun. We need some ambient light for wine caps, by the way. They don't like total darkness like some mushrooms do. They like very filtered light. They even like in some climates good sun. They're like the garden mushroom. They're the ones that you, people just say, well, you can just put that spawn in your mulch in your garden and it'll, yes, it will in Kentucky, in Pennsylvania, in Ohio, in Washington, in Oregon. Those are all fine ideas. North central Texas on a limestone shoal. No, but he had to tell me the way things were. And when I told him, I'm sorry, I already did that. It's a fine idea in other places. He went back and said, well, you need to do this. And you, I said, stop. I looked at his channel as always. Nothing to demonstrate what he's doing, but he wants to tell you what to do. had another person la- uh, la- this week. I would said on another episode that with this whole grooming shit and people talking to kindergarten and first grade age students and telling them things like, well, I'm going to talk to you about your genitals. I'm going to talk to you about sex. I'm going to talk to you about home. Like just all this crap. And don't tell your parents. And I said, it's a good thing. My grandkids are not in school. Because of some creepy you gotta be creepy, okay? You gotta be a creep to do this. This is not sex ed. Okay, you're talking to kindergartners about changing their gender and your private personal sex life with your gay lover and then say don't tell your parents. Said so, you no know, if that happened, I'm glad my grandson and granddaughter are out of the system. Because if somebody did that shit, that creepy shit, they would probably disappear. And the last thing they'd see is a backhoe pushing dirt in. Oh, Jack wouldn't do that. He would use the legal system. I can't use the legal system there. And that's why they're going in a hole in the ground. And I said, don't presume to speak for me or think for me. And he said, I still know what you would do, right? Don't think for me. Don't think for me and thinking for you. I'm allowed to think for you. Like, this is nonsense, Right. That one's not that important. I just brought it up because it's the kind of shit I deal with all the time. Sometimes, guys, I'm just venting to you, okay? My peeps, right? Yeah, it is backhoe time. Pack rat's right. It is backhoe time. You try to... Again, I didn't say... The guy said, we're discussing uh, homosexuality. I didn't say that. I said a lot more. You are a child predator approaching my cub and I'm a lion. You're going to disappear. The hooks are going in. You're going away. The bigger problem, though, is the people who want to tell you how to do a thing. Now, I don't care that they tell me how to do a thing. I care that somebody comes by and goes, oh, that'll work because this guy says so. This is what I hear all the time. Jack, I want to do this, but the Internet says this, and the Internet says that, and the Internet says this. This is the lesson here. Their Internet doesn't say anything. The Internet doesn't actually put out content. The Internet does not have an opinion. People have opinions. The Internet is the modern telephone. When you say, but the Internet says, what you're saying is I called Bill, my friend, and I asked him his opinion, and he gave me this opinion. And I called Tom, who's also my friend, and he gave me a conflicting opinion, and now I need to rectify those opinions. The thing is, in the olden days, when we had phones that were tethered to the wall and freedom for people from phones, you knew who Bill and Tom were, and you knew that Bill was a good mechanic, and he gave you mechanical advice. And Tom was a moron who fell out of trees for a living, and he also gave you mechanical advice, and you should probably listen to Bill instead of Tom. Today, you can pretend to be an expert. You can look like an expert. You can sound like an expert and know absolutely zero. I mean, absolutely zero about what you're talking about, but you can come off to where the average person thinks this guy sounds smarter. So I'm going to tell you right now, you need to judge people's opinions based on what they've done, not what they say they have done. The beautiful thing about the internet is I can look at your Instagram or your YouTube or your blog or anything like that. And I can see a consistent demonstrated set of results if you have them, if you don't, it doesn't even mean you don't know what you're talking about, but when someone has it and you don't, I'm going to listen to the person with the proof point. That's who I'm going to listen to. And now I'm going to start taking some questions from you guys. I want to wrap this up I'm already in an hour 20, uh, but thank you guys. If you enjoyed today and you want to do it, I'll throw out a little fishing for it, right? Uh, value for value exchange. You guys can super chat me on YouTube and I appreciate some of y'all that do that from time to time. Ah, anyway, uh, let's go through some of these though. And if you have questions for me, all caps is the way to go. So I see them. I'll take one more look when I get done with this list and see if I can add a couple more in, if you're going to make more new comments. Nick says, Hey Jack, any updates on your hydro rack system? My hydro rack system is now a seed starting system. I did that. I experimented with that. I have tons of growth space outside. I tried to explain this to the anti-hydroponics Nazis while I was doing it. I'm figuring out how to do things so I can teach people how to do it. Now the hydro that I do is out in my greenhouse. Or it's integrated hydro aqua stuff with my pond systems. I will probably always do a little bit of hydro in the winter using crack key upstairs in the bedroom that's upstairs with that system because it's easy and it makes lots of greens really fast. It's also a good way to start plants. But my system that has been moved out to my shop, I've actually gone from three racks to two in it. And I just used it this year to start my peppers and my tomatoes and my eggplants and stuff like that. So it's not because it didn't work. It's because how much lettuce can one man eat, right? So I'm not growing for the neighbors. I'm not growing for a family of eight. I'm growing for myself and my wife. And as long as I can make basil in winter, I'm good. Jonathan says, what do you think of electric lawnmowers? If you have a relatively small lawn, they're great. That's what I think of them. If you have three acres like I do, they're fundamentally at this point for now worthless. So I do think we're going to get into more things with like electric tractors and stuff like that. There was, I actually bought a hybrid electric tractor generator when I moved here nine years ago. I can't remember what it was called. Lois sold it for a while. There were so many problems with it. The damn thing got recalled and gotten rid of. I returned it. It had something like a built-in 4,500-watt generator. It would run on electric or gas, and it was built like a horse, man. It was a hell of a piece of equipment, and you could drop the tractor part of it, just drop the the, the mower deck, and then it was raised up pretty well. Where It was like having electric versus electric or gas. Uh, UTV, really more like a four-wheeler because it only sat one person. You certainly could have put a trailer on it and it had power. It just didn't work. And what I mean is like when it worked, it worked great, but it had all these problems. Like it started throwing blades off it and then it would die and kill itself. And, but it had a built-in generator. And if I don't remember who built that, but if somebody builds one of those right, So I can run off electric, but I have gas if I need it. And if I'm out on the back of my fence line, I need power. There's a 4,500-watt freaking generator sitting there. Hell to the yes, but we're not there. And again, that was a long time ago, and I haven't seen it come back. Chase says, is Ethereum a good investment? If not, why? I think Ethereum is a good investment. I think that eventually, as it evolves into what it's becoming, it's probably a $10,000 asset. Is it a long-term good investment? It is, is it something that I feel about, like I do about Bitcoin, that if you invest in it today and never spend it in a 100 years, it can be running a trust, paying your heirs or some land trust or something like that? No. Might that happen? Maybe. But I don't have the faith in it that I have in Bitcoin as a long-term asset. But as a short to mid-term asset, I think it has tremendous potential Aside, I'm looking at it more like a stock than money. Bitcoin is hard money. Ethereum is a technology. Uh, Rick Dewey says, ember, ember, embassy servers are going to be in demand. They support Lightning and are core encrypted. I agree. And I still do not have my embassy server doing all the cool shit that it needs to do. Uh, Matt over there has offered to spend a day with me. I just... Do not have the time right now. I have three events coming between now and June. I have this huge course I'm putting together. I have my day-to-day stuff, and it's my busiest time of the year with my projects and my garden and all that other stuff. I need to make the time, and when I do it, our plan is to do it right here with StreamYard. It may not be a live feed, but record all of it in videos, and I will put it all out on my channel to try to make it like I'm going to – even the stuff I know how to do, I'm going to complete complete idiot and let them walk me through how to do it and ask all kinds of questions. Pretend I'm Jake Robinson for a day. Well, how do you do this and how, and how why, right? Like I'm going to do that and try to make it a definitive thing so that when you need to know how to get all your shit set up with start nine, you'd be able to look at it and just walk through it. If you already did that, skip ahead. I'm going to try to do that for you. I really want to help them. I love what they're doing. K Mont says game changer, and he's talking about what Jack Myler's has done uh, with with strike and open payment systems, and I agree, it is it is game over for the old world, and they don't know it yet. I I, I don't think people understand that like you have a more than one hundred year old company that is at the edge of being pushed off the bankruptcy cliff in Western Union just from remittances, and it's only begun. It's only begun. Jonathan says, where can I buy geese? Jonathan, I think, said earlier that he's in North Texas like I am, but the answer is still I don't know. Uh, geese are in, like many things, are in short supply and very expensive this year. I was at Russell Feeds, which is a, a place that I go locally for supplies and stuff like that. For those that asked me recently about feed, I don't buy my feed there anymore. I used to buy a feed for my ducks, geese, chickens called Texas Naturals. It's still a great feed, but the price has gotten stupid. If you're in north-central Texas, it's worth a 90-mile drive north of me to a place called Tony's Seed and Feed to get the same stuff for about $11 a bag versus $20 a bag. I've actually paid a neighbor to go do it for me when I didn't have time, gave him 100 bucks for a trip up and back in his truck, and still saved a ton of money because I'll buy 25, 30 bags at a shot. Um, but I was at Russell's for a totally different reason, and I said to the guy there that handles all the pets and livestock and stuff, do you guys have any geese? He said, we've got a few Emberton's in Chinese this year in, and they're gone right away. Um, he said they're just not getting them in. I went to Metzer's. I was thinking about going back to having pilgrim geese because I really like them. A pair of pilgrim geese, sexed, from Metzer Farms right now is about $90. It's, it's too much for me. I'm going to tell you guys, check Craigslist for local people selling them, including adults would be great, by the way. Um, but I like to raise my geese as goslings with ducks and chickens because then they become part of the flock instead of like, I'm a goose, I'm over here and you're over there. And so if you're going to raise geese, I highly suggest when you get your goslings, it's not just raising them in the flock, it's raising them with contemporaries. And if you get some ducks to go with your geese, what will happen is that goose is going to outgrow those ducks really fast. And by about three weeks of age, the ducks will be sitting on the back of the goose like baby ducks sit on the back of the mom. And they'll really bond. And then when they go into the flock, they'll see other ducks that way. But this year specifically, unless you can just find geese at a reasonable price, I'm really going to encourage you to look harder and harder and harder at Muscovy ducks. Their meat is just as good as, and if not better, they're much easier to self propagate because they take care of their own babies. Um, they are as effective as grazers as geese. They, i watch my Muscovies and they, I watch them eat a couple bites out of the feed bin and then start munching grass right next to it. Where my ducks, if they have feed available, they just don't graze that hard. It's when the food runs out, they go out and work. And then at the end of the day, they're sitting there looking at you like, dude, where's the pellets? Where the scubbies are like, Oh, there's pellets. I'll go get some. So I, I really encourage you to look that direction. And the best place I've found to find scubbies is Craigslist. And uh, Remember, when you can't find something, that means it's an opportunity if you can produce it. Uh, or whatever, K-Bong says, or whatever local currency the machine takes. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what that one was in response to, uh, but probably right. Uh, Packrat says, you erase the atrocities so that you can repeat them in your own custom way. Yeah. Yeah, because you can't have say, people saying, hey, in the past we did this and it worked out really bad and it was screaming and Wah, gnashing of teeth and we're going to do it again, right? You can't do that. But I think we really, we erase history so that we can change our role in it. The people in power are the only ones that can actually erase history. Um, next up, New World Order says, do you live in West Texas or did White Rock, uh, you you, do you live in West Texas? You did White Rock. I'm in Odessa and we, and have done questions. I don't really know what you're asking. No, I am in North Central Texas. I am north of Fort Worth near a place called Azle. If you want to look that up on the map, I don't give away my exact location to people though. Um, Lily Farms Food, daily reminder of how screwed our food system is. My local USDA plant for processing hogs is booked until March 30th, 2023. You plan on raising hogs this year. Get your processing dates now. Uh, I, I know that's happening, and I really think that people need to look outside USDA because those USDA plants are giving that date to you, not Tyson, not Purdue, not Hormel. If you go to the grocery store, there's, you know, there's less and it costs more, but there's plenty of meat on the shelves. You're being kicked out in, in, in the future heavily. And it's no different than right now if I call somebody up and say, hey, man, I need a well in this really hard rock. They're like, we're set up to do it. When do you need your well? As soon as possible. Two or three weeks they'll be here at the most. Three years ago, four years ago, five years ago, all in that time frame. If you needed a well put in here in this area. You were effed in the A for possibly months. What would happen is uh, I'll put you on a list and if something falls through, I'll call you and you better say okay when I do because that's going to be your opportunity. And why? They were, they were drilling wells out the ass for oil and gas and they treated all the retail customers like dog crap. Guess what? All those wells that oil and gas people needed developed around here, and they—what you know, do you mean wells for oil and gas? Are they drilling oil? No, they're not drilling oil and gas. They drill water wells. You need water when you're drilling oil and gas, right? Slurry and other things, and fracking fluid and all that. So they were drilling like crazy, drilling water wells for oil and gas operations. Well, now, now they're like, well, you, hey, they're advertising again, and that's what's going on with USDA processing plants. There, there's such a supply push and pull on the other side. They don't have time for the little guy. However, my guy out in Weatherford, I don't need him right now. And I can't say, if I was bringing in chickens, turkeys, if I buy another cow from Odom or whatever, how long? ah, Next week, no problem. No problem. Find the independence unless you have to have USDA. So if you're raising it for market and you want to sell it in pieces, parts under regulations, yes, you're going to have this problem. So I'm encouraging you to be the ninjutsu status ninjutsu master agorist and figure out how to use the people that can do your processing instead of the people that you think you need to use to do your processing, because there's almost always a way to do that. Uh I'm Calhoun says most dogs are products of their education. They are by and large good caring people that want to help their patients. They want they went to Caesar for school and come back home it's hard to wake up and recover. Yeah, and it's not just that they, they have to do it. They actually think they're doing the right thing at this point. They are indoctrinated like any other educational path to the point where, but the summary of the study says, so that's what I'm going to do because it has to be right because they trust the system. When I was in the Army and I went to airborne school, you realize when you're about halfway through, if you're smart and thinking as an individual, hey, boy, they're really working hard to make sure I have confidence in my equipment. And in that instance, it's a good thing. Because if you have confidence in your equipment, you will act the way you are supposed to act. You will act decisively. You won't hang up in the door and cause a freaking bunch of people to get tangled in static lines behind you. You hit the door and go out. And if some shit goes wrong, and you've been taught how to deploy your reserve, you will act the way you were taught instead of second-guessing it. So they teach you to have faith and trust in your equipment. Tight equipment is good equipment, men. You'll hear that over and over and over again. Sound off for equipment. It's just all about the equipment because the equipment is what's going to keep you alive when you're falling out of a freaking airplane. Well, doctors get indoctrinated with trust in the system, trust in the drugs, trust in the literature, trust in the science, but it's not science if it's controlled. And they don't have time to look into how it's controlled. Um, until they give me back every dime they stole, same guy says, I will take every dime they offer. I completely agree. And they will never give you back every dime you ever stole. And by the way, even when you're taking the money back, they're still taking money out. So it's, you have to, like, to even begin to balance the scales. I have to have a year where I get more than they take away. Right? When you, back to that whole topic, when you say, well, will you take the government money? Do you take your tax return? Right? Your tax, it's, do you take your tax refund? Right? The money you overpaid? Of course you do. It's your money. Uh, survival tips and other stuff says, amen. Healthy boundaries are important. My wife needs that. Uh, I guess that's what being a grandma. Yeah. Grandmothers tend to be a little more in general overbearing mother-in-laws than father-in-law type situations. But yeah, we need to definitely always take a step back. Remember who the parent is and remember how you'd have felt. When you were a young parent and you deal with the kids every day and grandma or grandpa just says, oh, they're so wonderful. And they see them here and there a little bit and they want to tell you how to do things. You'd be you'd have a lot of animosity. You don't want animosity with your adult children. You want a functional, high level, mutually respectful relationship. Respect the boundaries. Stark Anthony says, Jack, what is your feeling about Gover- Governor Abbott shipping illegals to D.C.? Well, see, this is actually my idea a long time ago. I've said on the air many times that you should drop them off in front of the Capitol and tell them to go in there and tell those people what they need to do with them since they're the ones that think they need to be here. So you might think, I'm like, woo-hoo, I think it's stupid. I think it's a publicity stunt. Um, since the state of Texas has no authority to arrest these people, if they put them on a bus against their will and take them to D.C. against their will, that would be kidnapping and federal once you cross state lines. So what they're going to have to look for is illegal aliens that they say, hey, we have a free ride to Washington, D.C. Do you want to go? And they have to put up their hand and say yes. So I think it's a publicity stunt. I think it's nonsensical. I think it's stupid. And I don't think it makes any sense at all. And I don't think it's going to be a thing. And I think it was all done for a big splash in the pan. And I don't think you're ever going to see a bus of illegal aliens heading to D.C. If you do, I'll come on and say Jack was wrong. But it still won't matter You'd have to have illegal aliens that want to make points for anti-illegal immigration. Good luck with that. Um, Ecomouse says, Jack, don't believe everything you read on the internet. Quote Abraham Lincoln. I love that meme. I really do. Cause there's so much truth in it. Anyway, guys, I don't see any more. Here's one. All caps from Eddie is the white house on the racist names list. I wonder what they would change the name to laugh out loud. That's interesting. Maybe we should start a petition saying the White House needs to be changed in its name because it's clearly racist because it's white. Maybe it needs to be painted some other color and call it the House of Color. You know the problem with that plan might work. They might be like, hmm, yeah, that's a good idea. You just never know. Um, Crystal says young geese in my area are going for 60 to $70 each because the, none of the feed stores have any at all this year. Uh, as we talked about with the guest I had on about hatching them, they do require more effort to hatch and you only get eggs for about a 60 day period. Anyway, guys, that wraps it up for me. I hope you enjoyed today's show Thank you so much for coming in and being part of the live feed today. I hope it was educational and entertaining for you. I will be back on Monday. Here's what I want to do on Monday. I mostly push the buttons of things that are wrong today. What do I always do after that? Solution, 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 solution. Eric says, ETA on the aquaculture course. I'm hoping June. I'm hoping June. I'm hoping June. It's a lot of work, guys. I'm I'm pouring nine years of what I've learned into it. So June. You won't miss it. It won't sneak up on you. You're not, it's not going to sell out and you don't get a chance. It's not like a workshop. It's scalable. We can take more people than we can take for work. It's going to be fine. You'll be able to be part of it. Um, but anyway, next week I want to go solution, solution, solution. So Tuesday next week. We have the last in the permaculture introductory design science series. And so that will be available for you guys on Tuesday. What I want to do on Monday is basically an Outback with Jack like today. No current events, no news, no ass clownery, no government, no politics. I want to give you answers to your questions. Here's how you can do that. Don't comment here. Definitely not in chat. Send me an email. Jack at the survival Put TSPC outback in the subject line. Try to get it in over the weekend. Ask me a question you want me to answer on Monday. Be specific, be direct. Ask your question in a single sentence. Hit return a couple times. I only got one eye. It's hard for me to read a glob of text. Put a space in there. Give me details. If you write more than five friggin' sentences of details, Put a paragraph break in there. I promise you send me a block of text. I delete it. I just I can't read that way. I'm sorry. Follow those. Get them in. I'm going to try to answer like a dozen or more of your questions. Homesteading, self-reliance, food shortage. If you want to ask me about food shortage, I'm not going to say that's political, like stuff that we can do a thing about. But I want the solution side of the question. What do we do? How do I get it to me? I will bring it to you hard on Monday. But again, we had a huge attendance today. Those of you that showed up for the bad, come on Monday for the good. With that's been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast.
0: You pull yourself up. They keep bringing you down. Are they going to bail you out or just run you around?